Lord, it's a, it's a beautiful song. And I've sung that song so many times to you. But I've come to see, Lord, that where I shared that from, that song, is quite a shallow place. Because the revelation that I've had of, of love, of your love for me, but also the love that you really want to draw from me, is shallow and it's immature. And I, Lord, I have come to, to know you as my father and to love you as your child. And you want that, and I know that that's a beautiful thing. But I've also come to know that there is deeper love than that. And the more of yourself that you reveal to me, the more of your love that you reveal to me, the more I've come to see that there is something birthing in me that is an even deeper love, a love that comes from you. And it goes beyond Father and Son. I thank you, Lord, that you have been revealing this to me and you are, you are sowing a seed of greater love in me, bringing me into deeper awareness of it as you continue to mature me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have, that you have not stopped working away at me, Lord, but you are patient and you persevere to complete the work you've started in me and every one of my brothers and sisters here tonight. And we are here tonight, Lord, because we want more of you. We want deeper understanding. We want a deeper revelation. And we want that to produce life in us. So we pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal. Continue to water, Lord, the seeds you've placed in our heart. That they would grow into something beautiful. We love you, Lord. And we want to love you more. Amen. Uh, we're not um, we're not studying and exploring the doctrine of the bride of Christ or the bridegroom because I think that's that's fascinating, something interesting. I've always wanted to have a look at. We're not doing it because uh, Greg thinks it's important. Uh, we are. Having this particular focus this this month, these five weeks on this revelation of God, because God has weighted heavily upon our eldership, the leaders that He has raised up in this in this family. Uh, he has convicted them that this is something of Himself that He wants His church to be living in, living life. Not knowledge, not a head knowledge, but something that transforms how we see him and how we experience him, how we relate to him and how we see ourselves through that. This is a message of maturity. And uh, let's hear from our eldership just to bring some clarity on what it is really that they want us to, to find in this message. So yeah, here's Paul who was one of those aforementioned elders. That's why you run away. Yeah, that song's awesome. And there's a new insight that's coming to my heart over it. And thank goodness 
it doesn't rest on the words of the song and what they literally say. You know, I lift my voice, let it be a sweet, well, it can only be a sweet sound to a father <laughs> that, that puts up with his child singing a wonderful song to him. But anyone else might listen and go, yeah, kind of nice, but off key a bit. <laughs> and yet it's not about the song. It's the song of my life. Let the song of my life have a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Not just the words that I sing a song, but the song of my life. Mm. Thanks, buddy. Let's stop hugging me now. <laughs> just wanted to uh, just bring a bit of um, understanding, perhaps a bit of clarity from the elders' perspective. And we, are, we appreciate that there is a lot of discussion, a lot of understanding around this, uh, the topics that have been spoken. And... Uh, what we thought would be a good idea, perhaps was a good opportunity, was just to share uh, from our perspective as elders what we understand this to be. And in all these things, it's about the Lord revealing his heart within us. So we've talked about this, prayed about it, and have put our thoughts down in a, in a relatively simple and succinct statement for you to hear and understand our heart in this and I'll just I'll speak more to the end of that very briefly after I've read this out so what is contained in the scriptures is in relation in relation to the Torah the major minor prophets the Psalms the Proverbs are to lead us into Christ and having his life birthed formed and produced in us it is not the keeping of the principles or a commandment that births life but the revealing of the principle through the powerful conviction of Holy Spirit in us that births, that births his life in us. It's the life that sits behind the principle that God wants in us. And this life is found in the revealing of Christ in us. This is what we clearly believe that Paul is teaching in Colossians 2, 2-4. to that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments." If we don't have his life being birthed and produced in us, our obedience to principle, no matter what the principle is, is irrelevant. We are caught up in works of mentality. Galatians 2.20 is very clear from Paul that the life he now lives, he lives because, he, sorry, the life he now lives because he no longer lives is a life he lives by faith in Christ Jesus not in a principle or a commandment or a law, but in Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled it all. He became living truth, and this is why all these things point to him. These things we have looked at and are looking at point towards Christ, and he embodies them. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, he builds his church, and his church overpowers the gates of hell. I would suggest if his life is not being demonstrated in us and through us, we're not coming into his life. 
more and more for a world and a demonic realm to see then we are this church that Jesus then we are this church that Jesus speaks of here as this is the church the people he builds and is building the genuine work of Christ revealed in me that the gates of hell will not prevail against the works of Paul constructed in me I'm sure that the gates of hell will prevail against but it's that genuine work of the spirit and faith in Jesus Christ that the gates of hell will not prevail our heart is to continue to walk together to discover that and like in the, in the song may the voice of my life be a sweet sweet sound in your ear that I might walk humbly with my brother or sister to discover this and I just want to, to leave that with you with the scripture out of Philippians 3.15 because we're aware that everybody might have a different understanding on this but the heart is to discover him and the revelation in him and how we walk together to discover this 3.15 like all, all scriptures has something that's coming before it but the heart is in the end in this part not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ of Christ Jesus let those of us who are mature think this way but if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you it is not my role to reveal make something revealed in your hearts or make you think or believe anything it's my heart to lead you to the Lord and allow the Spirit of God to bring revelation and to walk humbly with you as we all discover that, as we walk together. So we just wanted to help uh, perhaps bring some clarity from where uh, the elders' perspective is where we sit and understand this, as we are all on this journey together. Amen? Clay, wherever you're hiding. Thank you, Paul. Uh, we're gonna next week gonna have after a summary have a have a Q, uh, a Q and A time so that we can kind of touch push back on some things ask some questions make sure that we leave here with clarity on on what it is that we've been hearing that's very important for us so uh, make sure you take some time over the you know tonight and the next next week just to think about any questions you might have about about the stuff here's a question for you can anyone tell uh, me what uh, our threefold uh, purpose here at the Rockers. Anyone? Mm, kind of in there. Yeah. You, knowing him, loving others, uh, walking together. That's right. Um, knowing him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Get in there. Good. Yes. I thought I did. I thought I knew him. Yeah, Jesus? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I know him. He's a good guy. 
turns out I have only ever known aspects of him. Turns out there's a lot more going on with him than I was aware of. Wow, shock. And even then, what aspects of him that I had a revelation of, this revelation wasn't necessarily all that deep. Or or if I did have a revelation, it was often like a head, it was a head knowledge. So I knew stuff, but it wasn't in me in such a way that it was necessarily making a difference in my life. So who cares? It's irrelevant if it's not making a difference in, in my life. So yeah, I knew him, I could talk about him. Certainly in uh, an apologetic sense, in terms of making a, a, a case for the defense of my faith. In fact, I studied and trained to be able to do that. But I'm not, necess- I'm not sure that in my defense of Jesus and his life and his, uh, his declarations, that there was a lot of life coming from me. There were some debates at the Christian Union at school and uni where I'm not sure whether I was winning souls to the kingdom. But I won some sweet arguments, man. <laughs> Woo! Oh. Sure, Jesus is real stoked, eh? It's my boy. Pushing people away. <laughs> I've heard it said that you, all you need to know of him is he is your savior. And, say, and salvation is found in him alone. So much of that is true. He is my savior, our savior. And salvation is found in him alone. But that's not all he has going on. That's not all there is. There's more that Jesus is bringing than the cross, than atonement. I mean, if it was just that, that would be awesome because I'm a words guy, but I don't have words to express just how significant it is that God found a way to redeem us. And the length that he went to to do that that would be enough. But it turns out there's so much more. There is more to know about him, and he wants us to know him. Not just a part of him, not just parts of him. He wants us to know him fully. But we don't. I don't. Consider with me for a moment, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn there. Well, there's a little bit I'm going to look at here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's a verse here which I've struggled with. Paul says in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 2, I resolve to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I'm quite familiar with this verse because I've, I've heard this verse uh, shared on a lot of Sundays and a lot of Sunday messages. Uh, 
in a particular stream of church, uh, which calls their um, their buildings gospel halls. And uh, in this tradition, uh, the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross, uh, is is paramount. And sometimes it's it's all there is. And uh, and this verse is just preaching to to that particular choir. I preach nothing, Jesus Christ in him crucified. I resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ in him crucified. What's interesting, even though I have read through Corinthians a number of times, it's weird how I would miss just everything, uh, like everything that he says next. From verse 3, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power, God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who was from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. He is speaking to the church. He is speaking to believers who actually have the Spirit of God. You read the rest of Corinthians, chapter 12. He's talking about how the Spirit is alive in them and releasing all these spiritual gifts. It's the same people, except he has to address them as mere infants because spiritually they are immature and they are not ready for the mysteries that God has given Paul and the other apostles. They're not mature to receive and understand it. And so he resolved when he first came to them to bring nothing but Christ and Christ crucified because that's all they could handle. Is that all there is? No, there is so much more he wants to bring. Are we ready for it? Do we have the maturity for it? These things I've longed to look into, things that I have fought brothers and sisters here over, 
because I couldn't see it. And it made no sense to me because I was trying to receive it in the mind. And I didn't have the maturity spiritually to receive it the way it needed to come. And so it frustrated me. And I pushed back against it. Can't be of God because I don't get it. But our God is patient with us. Praise Him. He perseveres. He waits. And when we are in a place, He's there with what we need next. And if we continue to press into Him, we will continue to grow in Him. And so there are things that I am receiving now that I fought hard against. Because now, now I'm ready for what comes next. And he's building revelation upon revelation. It's taken me a while to get that idea. That I'm not going to first up and understand everything. Cognitively. And I need to recognize his patience with me. And that this journey, it's It's progressive. And there's some stuff that it might be years before I come into it. But let him do things in the time that he knows needs to happen. Jesus Christ, the Savior, come to take away the sins of the world. This is a crucial revelation. It is the central revelation. I believe that. It is the foundational revelation. It is the revelation that everyone needs to receive enter into and respond to but it is not the end of the revelation of Jesus Christ it is the is only the beginning and while Paul resolved to teach nothing but the gospel of Christ and him crucified that is not to say he did not have more to share and he did Paul wrote quite a bit and he revealed a whole lot of other stuff that the spirit deposited in him And he's bringing that to us now. There is an old Indian parable, which I think I shared last year, and it's one that you probably know about. It illustrates the issue that we often face here in the church over revelation, and that's the, the parable of the, the blind men and the elephant. And in this, this old parable, the, the story goes that Six blind men happened upon an elephant. And they, they didn't know an elephant, but they were studious men who wanted to know the world that they lived in. And so they each examined this creature before them, or at least a part of it. And so the, the first blind man put his hand up and he hit the flank of the elephant, this big side. And as he examined it and feel along it, he declared, ah, the elephant, it is like a wall, so strong and solid. Hmm, I'm not sure about that, said the next, next blind man who reached down and felt around the leg of the elephant. He's like, the elephant, I can, I, I can discern as clearly like a tree. I can feel the girth of, of this, this, this tree-like structure. It's, it's very much like a tree. I'm not sure what you're on about. 
the next blind man's like, no, 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 no. It's nothing like that at all. As he felt along the tusk, he's like, the elephant is clearly like a spear. It's long, it's it's pointy, it's solid. It, the, the elephant is, is spear-like. The next one is feeling the uh, the ears of the elephant. He's like, no, 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 elephant, I can feel it right now. I don't know what you're feeling. I'm feeling the elephant. It's, it's, it's a fan. It's like a fan, a big fan. I'm sure if we could keep ourselves cool with this thing, that's what a, an elephant is. The, the next one's feeling the tail. And he's like, no, 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 man, what do you want about? That it's, the elephant is like a rope. It's rope-like. What are you feeling? Yeah, it's, it's, the elephant is like a rope. And then there's the, the last blind man's feeling the, the trunk. And he's like, nah, man, snake. It's like a snake. Can't you feel this? It's a snake. And they argue and they fight. But they are so convinced because of their own experience, they know exactly what this elephant is. And every one of them is right. And every one of them is wrong. They have a revelation of the elephant, but only part of the revelation of the elephant. And, oh, man, have I fought for my revelation of who God is because I know it so clearly in Scripture and in the experience of my own life. I know him, and this is how I know him to be. What are you on about? How blind I am. I can see only as much as he has revealed to me. Turns out he's revealing other stuff as well. And that's why I love this environment. Why I love sitting around table with others and hearing them share their revelation. When I say their revelation, what I mean is what God has revealed to them and how they've come to understand that. And I don't always agree with, I very rarely agree with what other people are saying. Let's be honest. But when I can be humble and listen, let's be, yeah, to be fair. And as I listen and I, and I can be humble, what I hear is, is perspective on an elephant or on a God that I only know in part. But turns out that all around me in this room are people who know him in part. And some of those parts are parts I don't know. And they're parts I want to know. That is why I've spent, I don't know how many nights around at Curtis's place, arguing and disagreeing with him, to get a part that I don't have. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why I'm there. But I, there is a part there that I want. Maybe I'm not in a place to receive it fully yet, but I'm going to press in and I'm going to seek because I want every part. Yes, he is saviour, but that is not all he is. Yes, he is father. That is not all God is. Yes, he is son, but that is not all God is. He is spirit. Yes, but that is not all. He is king. He is high priest. Yes, he is prophet. He is creator. He is friend. He is lamb. He is lion. He is Lord. And he is bridegroom. He is bridegroom.